0: Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear
1: that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope,
0: that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm excited to share my conversation with Chris Joseph. Over the last 35 years, Chris has started and managed three environmental consulting businesses, launched two fan-funded music record companies, and founded a non-profit charitable foundation. He also dabbled in philanthropy, book writing, songwriting, and magazine writing. His company, CAGA Environmental Services, is a leading environmental consulting firm in Southern California. Chris is also an odds-defying stage three pancreatic cancer survivor and thriver since 2016, as described in his best-selling 2020 book, Life is a Ride, My Unconventional Journey of Cancer Recovery. He is also a co-curator and contributing author to the Epiphanies Project, 20 Personal Revelations. Chris is also a podcaster, with four currently released including Talking Threadheads, The Epiphanies Project, Oive LA, and Happy Endings, overcoming life's obstacles in unconventional ways. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Chris, but before I do, just a reminder, head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips, to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E Hi, Chris. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm really happy to have you here today.
1: Haley, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. And, you know, I'd love you to start with your story and what led up to your cancer diagnosis. What were some of your symptoms?
1: So um, I'll start with the diagnosis. I got diagnosed with third stage pancreatic cancer in October of 2016, Halloween day, 2016. The symptoms I was having, I, I didn't think anything was seriously wrong. I was having some mild stomach discomfort that was going on for a couple months, I was also having some concurrent depression, which was odd because my life was going really well and I couldn't quite figure that out. I mean, it's pretty deep depression, not acute, normal day to day. And so there was those two things. And finally I realized, man, I should get this checked out. That's when I went to my primary doctor. He said, I'll go get a scan. And on October 31st, 2016, I did the scan and they came in and told me that I had a tumor in my pancreas and. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Uh, sure. That this hit the fan. You know, when when anyone gets a cancer diagnosis, it's it's pretty scary.
0: Yeah, and especially that kind of diagnosis. So, you know, I want to go back to that depression because I did read your book, which was excellent, by the way. And it was pretty deep. I mean, you were thinking of suicide, correct? I mean, it was bad.
1: I was. Um, I I remember being on a camping trip that summer of 2016 with my kids and I had to Actually, go into my tent and be by myself and just try to breathe through my discomfort and and sadness. And I, I, I honestly, it was like this is so weird. I mean, again, I you know everyone has some depression. That's just human nature. But this was really, really deep. And thankfully, I never got to the point of thinking about how am I going to commit suicide or anything like that. It was the thoughts of it though that were that were rampant at the time.
0: And you found out that it was due to the pancreatic cancer. And I never heard that before.
1: Yeah. I had never heard of, obviously I'd never heard of it either. I didn't know much about cancer or pancreatic cancer, but yeah, it's a precursor. It's sort of like a body's warning to you that something is wrong, which again, I I just, you know, I I know a little bit about health, but I don't know a lot. And so that was a real eye-opener for me that it was my body telling me, hey, something is wrong here. Um, And thankfully, I mean, I'm not, religious, but um, I'm going to say, thank God right now that I had the presence of mind to go get checked when I did.
0: Right. It's amazing how our bodies give us warning signs and you really need to listen, right?
1: And it's easy to ignore. We we do need to listen. And it's so easy to ignore like, oh, that's just a virus or, you know, it's just normal day-to-day uncomfortableness, or maybe I ate something that doesn't agree with me. But if something is going on for a while, and you don't know what it is, it's, it's a good idea to get it checked out. Yeah.
0: And you got this diagnosis and then what?
1: Well, it's, it scared the crap out of me. I mean, you know, the, I mean telling my kids that night was horrible. Um, it, it still gets me choked up just thinking about that. Um, they were 14 and 12 at the time. Um and so that was horrible. Getting into treatment, I mean, I, I I was so scared that I was willing to listen to anyone, which is not necessarily a good thing to do. Um, and I listened to the first oncologist that I hired, and he said, "Oh, we'll put you on chemotherapy." And I did that for a few months. Chemotherapy almost killed me, um, and. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was horrible and it was helping, but it was horrible and it wasn't helping. My cancer was getting worse. So, and that doctor misdiagnosed me. I mean, it's not that I didn't have third-stage pancreatic cancer. I did, but he used the word garden variety. And it turned out I actually have a very rare form of pancreatic cancer. One in a hundred people have, one in a hundred people who have pancreatic cancer have what I have. So in March of 2017, a few months after I was feeling miserable with chemotherapy, I quit. And I just had—I mean, it was not a premeditated thing. I was just done, and I figured at that point, if I'm going to die, I'd rather die of cancer than die of chemo because I was so unhappy and feeling so shitty. And but that day in March of 2017 five years ago turned out to be the best day because I, I didn't know it at the time, but it opened up a world of possibilities that I had very little knowledge of. And I mean, you can see me, you're talking to me now. I mean, for anyone who's listening to this, I'm doing great.
0: Yes, you look vibrant.
1: Yeah, no, I feel great. Um, leading in a very active life, so working, parenting, being a boyfriend, traveling, I've got four podcasts. I've written two books. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm really busy and feeling great.
0: Uh, that is amazing. And it gives so many people hope, you know, because any kind of cancer is tough. Pancreatic cancer is a, a tough one.
1: It's a tough one. It's 70% of people don't last past one year. 90% of people don't make it to five years. Um and for those that do, they're not doing really well. They're just sort of surviving. I, I'm trying to change the bar. One of the reasons I like talking to, with people like you is that, because um, I think we're probably on the same wavelength, um, but I, I like talking about thriving, not just surviving. I, I think that it's, you know, we're we're, we're shooting too low. Um, it's not just enough to survive. I, I didn't want that. I want to live. I want to do really well.
0: Yes. Love that. Right. Because conventional medicine, that's what they're trying to do. Kill the cancer, get rid of the disease, but they're not looking at health. Right.
1: Correct. Yeah. They're not looking at health at all. They're looking at treatment. They're not looking at, they're not looking at prevention. They're not looking at wellness with conventional treatments, whether it's chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery, there's nothing about, well, you know, what can we do to prevent the cancer from coming back? What caused the cancer in the first place? I, I have yet to meet an oncologist who is who is talking to me about those things. I'm sure there's some out there, but I, I haven't met them.
0: Exactly. I mean, with the interviews, I'm finding more, but yes, it's it's a slow moving thing
1: for sure. Yeah, I should say the conventional oncologists. There are some who are thinking outside the box and, and doing great things.
0: Yes, yes. And you decided to fire your oncologist and what did he how did he react to that?
1: You know, I've never spoken to him since. Um I've had no contact with him. Um so I don't know how he reacted. Um but my friends helped me raise money to on uh, GoFundMe to go to Germany to do some treatments. I had a friend who went through this cancer clinic in Germany. Uh, it's not cheap, and insurance doesn't cover that, which is a problem. But my friends helped raise the money, and I, I did three weeks in Frankfurt, Germany, at a clinic called Infusio, and it was all sorts of alternative treatments. And, and it's funny, they're only alternative because they're really, most of them are not allowed here in the U.S. Some of them are, but a lot of them are not. But in other countries, they're routine, or they're allowed, or or they're used in conjunction with conventional cancer treatments. But here it's a real problem um, to try and get those. So I went to Germany and it really helped. Um, then I came back, I did more alternative stuff. I also did some Western medicine immunotherapy here. In fairness, I want to be fair about that, That I also think helped. Um, so I, I think I did a combination of both uh, non-Western and Western um, that helped get me to where I am.
0: Yeah. And so what were some of the non-traditional
1: yeah, there's so many that I'm going to forget some. Um, vitamin C, laetril, ozone, hyperthermia, which is heat treatment, um, dendritic stem cell therapy. I'm forgetting about a lot of other infusions that I was getting, vitamins and otherwise. Um, mistletoe treatments, um, which is legal in some of the countries, but not here. Mistletoe injections, I should say. Um even now, I'm not doing anything with any doctors now and haven't for a while. But I I have a infrared sauna, a portable infrared sauna here in my house that I do every day for about an hour. So I get a lot of heat in my body every day. I take lots of supplements. I exercise my body two or three hours a day, You know, even if it's just walking. So there's a lot of things that I do. I, to me, it's I mean, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. It's a lot of work.
0: For sure. And it never ends. It doesn't end after treatment, right?
1: No. And in fact, I think I'm working hard, just as hard, if not harder now. I'm obsessed with it, which I think is mostly good. Um, (laughs) Probably drives people around me a little crazy, but it's a lot of work. Um, But it's worth it. It's worth it.
0: Yes, for sure. Now, dendritic is that what it's called stem cell therapy uh
1: dendritic
0: dendritic so can you tell me just a little bit about that what that
1: yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you, and if my, if my girlfriend were listening to this conversation, she would laugh because I'm horrible at explaining the science behind things. Um, I, I can just tell whether something works. I can tell you whether something worked or didn't work, but I can tell you the procedure, which was taking a little blood uh, in week one, stirring it with something and don't ask me what it was, and then coming back a week later for an injection of my same blood with uh, the dendritic stem cells in, in um, the injection. And so it was just, it was a very, it was 20 minutes to draw my blood and 20 minutes to a week later to put it back in me. I and mean, it was real simple.
0: And did you have side effects at all?
1: I had, I've had no side effects from the um, non-Western medicine therapy that I'm aware of. I mean, maybe there's something chronic or long-term that I'm not, you know, from taking all these supplements that I take or, but I, I'm not aware of any, any side effects? I've had some side effects. I certainly had horrible side effects from the chemotherapy when I was doing that, and I've had some minor side effects from the Western medicine immunotherapy, but nothing like the chemotherapy I was doing.
0: Yeah. So I just want to go back to because I know you said that he misdiagnosed you, and so you went to a different doctor who said you should have some kind of genetic testing. Was that it?
1: Yeah. I went to my uh, regular doctor, Melanie Giesler, Um who's a DO. Um, and she had the, she's not an oncologist, but she had the presence of mind and the curiosity, which I think is lacking in a lot of health professionals, a lot of Western medicine doctors, but she's great. And she had the presence of mind to know what she didn't know, but to ask other people like, Hey, what should we do in this situation? And she talked to some oncologists who were sort of outside the box thinkers. And, they suggested the one in particular suggested I get this this um, tumor marker um, this genetic test done, which my regular my first oncologist that I fired had never mentioned to me that it was even available, and that was the genetic test that showed that I had something very rare as opposed to something very um, garden variety, but. It was also that test that changed my mindset. It wasn't just the results of the test. It was also, and I'm not sure I actually wrote it this way in the book, but it was like, oh, there are other ways to think about this. There are other opinions. There, There's people with, with different knowledge bases that other people don't have. And it really opened my eyes a lot.
0: That's amazing. And do you know what that genetic mutation is called?
1: Yeah, it's called um uh MSI microsatellite instability. Um again, please don't ask me to explain what it is. But yeah, it's 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 called MSI.
0: Right. But it's good to know and that the I think you said you took Katruda, right?
1: That that was the Western medicine immunotherapy I did was Katruda, yeah.
0: Okay. I did,
1: I did that for Boy, it's hard to remember now, a year and three quarters, um, starting in mid-2017 to 2019. And then I had a short stint on it a few months after that. But it's been probably, I don't know, a year and a half, two years since I've been doing it.
0: And that was real responsive, right?
1: Yeah, I think it helps. I do. Um, the Keytruda was approved for my rare type of pancreatic cancer. Back in 2017, right when they wanted to put me on it. So it was fortunate um, that it had been approved by the FDA. Um, I do think it helped. I, I think um, also, if I can circle back to the other forms of traditional oncology, I think we're going to look back on radiation and chemotherapy, you know, maybe 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we're going to look back on it as barbaric and archaic. I think immunotherapy. Western medicine and non-Western medicine is the wave of the future or one of the things. I mean, there's some things that are way of the future that I don't even know about or things that are going on now that I don't know about. But I do think immunotherapy is going to be the go-to for cancer treatments, not too far distant in the future.
0: Yes, I, I hope so. I hope so. Along with all these other methods, right, to get into the United States,
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, I look at I, I tell people that what I did in Germany was boosting my immune system. And that's another way of saying immunotherapy. It was just the non-Western medicine way. And now that the I'm not gonna slam the pharmaceutical companies much, but now that they have figured out a way to make money from it, that immunotherapy is 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 becoming very huge in the cancer world. Um I you know there's lots of different drugs that are available. I only know about Keytruda and I only know about Keytruda for my particular type of cancer, but I do believe that immunotherapy is going to be the way to go.
0: I loved in the book how you talked about all the support you got and how your friends came to visit you in Germany and and you did mention the GoFundMe page just now, but I thought that was so brilliant because a lot of people they they say, "Oh, I can't afford to do all this there There's no
1: way yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, um certainly one has to have a lot of money to be able to do this on their own or to have a you know a, a circle that's willing to step up and I was lucky enough to have that, but yeah, I mean, the system here is not based on going outside the box they will sometimes they even fight covering what's inside the box, but it's 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 a tough system here. Very, very tough.
0: And what made you decide to write the book, Life is a Ride?
1: After I started doing better in the later part of 2017. I started getting lots of calls from people. I mean, I mean, let's face it, people hear pancreatic cancer and they think you're going to be dead. And I thought I was going to be dead within a year or two. And, and then I realized, wow, I'm still here and I'm, and I'm feeling pretty good. And I started getting lots of calls from people and emails and texts, because I was very vocal about posting on Facebook. Before I wrote the book, I, I was blogging and people knew my story. And then they realized, oh, he's doing well. And so I, I would get calls from cancer, other cancer patients or friends or family of other cancer patients "What did I do? What did I do in Germany? What did I do here in LA? And I realized this is a really good story. Um, I mean I wish I didn't have to go through it but but now that I've gone through it, this is a really good story and so I, I that was the first thing I knew I had a good story. Second thing was I had had so much help whether whether it was the GoFundMe, whether it was my family, you know my kids, my girlfriend, even my ex-wife was very helpful throughout the process. And I had people telling me, you know, if you make it through this, you can pay it forward. And that's really what I wanted to do with the book was pay it forward. Um, Maybe this is a good opportunity that people want a free PDF of the book. They can just email me at Chris Joseph, which is my name, but all in one word, at Mac, M-A-C, like the computer.com. And I'll send a free PDF. I I didn't write it to make money. And people who have written books independently know they really don't make money. so I, I just wanted to pay it forward.
0: It's wonderful. And you're a really good writer. You really are.
1: Thank you. Um, I, I've written technical writing for a long time. I had never written a book before. Um, and I'll take your comment, but I'm going to say, I think I was a good enough writer. And then when you have an editor, I had four rounds of editing. I mean, so editors help. Um, no one helped me actually write the book, but I did I did have some some good editing. So that was nice, too. Yeah. It's a, it even takes a village to write a book.
0: <laughs> and, you know, I think anything you go through that's tough teaches you something or teaches you a lot of things. And I know cancer was a huge teacher for me. What did cancer teach you about yourself and just about life in general?
1: People, it's a great question. And people were asking me that very early on. How did this change you? And I really didn't have a good answer early on because I didn't know what the answer was. I'm, I'm not sure there was something early on that had changed me. But over, since it's been five and a half years now, um, it, it taught me about taking charge of my health It, it and, and how important that is um, and not being passive and not just... You know, yeah, doctors know more than I do, but I know more about my body than they do. I know what feels right for me or what doesn't feel right. And taking charge, to me, that made the difference. That one day that I quit chemotherapy and said, I don't want to do this anymore. That was the difference.
0: And I feel like all these doors opened for you at that moment.
1: It, it was huge. It was transformational. The other thing is I've learned, it's it's really... I I think this is another key thing. It's really, really put a few exclamation points on how important connection is, human connection. Um, not that I didn't have that before, of course I did, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I see my kids and when they smile, I appreciate it more. I know it sounds sort of Corny and cliche ish, but it's really true. I mean, when my girlfriend laughs at one of my stupid jokes, you know, I, I appreciate it that much more now. Um, I mean, I, I'm 65 years old. I was 59 when I got diagnosed. Um, and it also made me appreciate the fragility of life. Uh, again, not that I didn't think about it before, but when you're given, no one ever said you're going to die within a year or two, but, you know, I knew that was the likelihood. So uh, it's just made me appreciate every day i'm i'm more grateful than i used to be no doubt about it no doubt
0: i could relate to that so much i mean this month it will be 24 years for me actually
1: wow i love that
0: and which is so hard to believe but i never take my health for granted ever and i'm sure you feel the same way and i'm sure you never will
1: not anymore um yeah, I mean, and and I think we all did that, those of us who have been, you know, because it's easy to take it for granted. It's easy to do it. There are other things, or we want to enjoy something. We want to enjoy a certain food or a drink or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Plus, I, I didn't know it had been that long for you. That's great. That's great.
0: Well, thank you. And that brings me to diet, because I know... It's such a confusing topic for people. And I do believe there's not one diet that's right for everyone. But that being said, what is something that you follow? You know, what are you, what are you doing?
1: So one quick anecdote, when I got diagnosed, I, I, uh, or after I quit chemotherapy, I started seeking out nutritionists and I, I got really frustrated because I got a lot of different advice, conflicting advice from different people. But, you know, okay, what can I learn from this? There is no one way. With one caveat, the one thing that, that all the nutritionists had in common was they said to cut down on processed sugar and processed foods. And, and so I did do that. I followed that pretty religiously. Um, some people said, don't eat meat. Some people said, no, you can eat meat if it's clean and farm-raised and blah, blah, blah. I eat very little meat. Um, but I ate very little, meat, very little meat before I got diagnosed too. It's just not the kind of food I like. Um, I'm not a vegan, I'm not a vegetarian, but mostly I'm a vegan or vegetarian. I eat fish. I, my girlfriend and I enjoy oyster, oysters. I, I try not to be dogmatic. And by the way, I'm not saying this is what other people should do. I'm just telling you what I do. Um, I, my doctor in Germany, who I loved and I still keep in touch with, um, had some good advice. Um, when I was in Germany, I was staying at a condo across the street from a well-known bakery. And he asked me, he said, have you, have you visited that bakery yet? I said, no, I haven't. I'm trying to avoid sugar and blah, blah, blah. He said, you know, part of, of thriving in life is is treating yourself once in a while. He said, if you go have a, a, a baked good at a bakery once every month or once every couple months, it's not going to kill you. So I've tried to remember that, to try not to be dogmatic, to try and allow once in a while for some sort of treat. I mean, I'm not a big sweets eater anyway, but um, I don't beat myself up if I do it once every couple months. It's like, okay, if I'm going to die, it's not going to be from eating Something I shouldn't eat once every two months. Um,
0: exactly. And I think that's such an important point because yeah. people do get so stressed out about that. Oh my gosh, I ate this or I didn't eat this. And that's causing more stress and hurting your immune system more.
1: I get it. I was there. I, I've I've had that thought process. So I understand how others can have it. And it's. I, I'm really, really happy that I let that go because it's so stressful. It just is.
0: Absolutely. So what would you tell someone that has recently got diagnosed with cancer?
1: Another great question. I, 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 because I do get a lot of people reaching out to me still, probably even more so since the book came out a year and a half ago. Um, I'm very careful about not giving medical advice um, because I do think that I'm not qualified. I, I'm qualified to tell my story So that's what I do. I tell people my story, but I've reconsidered that a little bit. I still don't give medical advice, um, but I do give advice about be your own CEO of your health, um, take charge of your health, little things, practical things like when you go to a doctor, not for a regular checkup, but if you have something seriously wrong with you bring someone else with you um, because they're going to hear things you don't hear and they're going to be able to take notes or ask questions. Um, so I think it's good to have a good support system with you. Um, I think it's good, you know, it's such a cliche, but, you know, seek out other opinions. I think there's, I would say even seek out non-Western medicine opinions. Um, you know, again, it's not that non-Western always works all the time either. Um But I I do think there's options out there that we're not told about. I've had other examples, which are too long to get into during this interview. Uh, of something with my younger son who was given a diagnosis and we treated it non-Western and he's doing fine. Uh, And they wanted to put him on medication for life. Um, And we, we didn't want to do that. And so... Yeah, I think Western medicine is really good for a lot of things. I don't want to come across as slamming them. Um, chronic illness, I don't think is one of their specialties. I, I, I just don't.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I do agree with you. So I'm just thinking, like, if there was one thing you you gave us such great tidbits, but one thing that you would tell our audience. Leave
1: our audience with what would it be? You know, I, I mean, I've never been asked that question that particular way, so I'm sort of hemming and hawing about the one thing in particular. I'm going to circle back to what I said before. You or or the patient is in charge of the decision making. That's the biggest thing. If a doctor tells you something that doesn't sound right. Or it doesn't make sense. You have the right to question them. You have the right to challenge them. If they're not going to take the time to listen, to talk, to converse, to dialogue, they're not the right doctor. Mm. They are not. And I, I think there is so much to being a doctor beyond just writing a prescription on a pad. So much more. But that's a lot of. That's what a lot of them do. They don't have the time, or they don't, or they're too constrained. So I know I've said more than one thing here. I'm sorry, but um.
0: no, I love that because you know if they don't have empathy, or, or, or a patient needs all that, and if you're not comfortable with your physician, then it's probably not going to go well.
1: It's not going to go well. I mean, I, I, I had back surgery 30 years ago, and, and that was different. I, I wanted a back doctor who was experienced. I didn't care about his personality. I wanted someone who was really cocky. So the different kind of doctors for different needs. But when it comes to cancer, thankfully, I don't have a heart disease or anything like that. But I want someone, you use the word, I forgot to use it, someone with empathy. It's so important. So important. Um, thank you for bringing that up.
0: Uh, yes, because I feel like people just listen to their doctors, like whatever they say, and they think they're God, and I can't deviate, and they don't listen to their intuition and and think like, you know, they're really not empathetic, they're really not listening to me. So it's really important.
1: Most doctors, I know you know this, but um, most doctors are not trained in nutrition. They have very little knowledge of how what we eat or what we don't eat impacts our health. Um, And that's a big thing too. Big, big thing.
0: No doubt. I mean, there's just not one thing that, that helps, right? You have to look everywhere. Look at all the pieces.
1: Yes, I think that's right. It's 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 a big jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> but to, to circle back to what we talked about earlier, it takes a lot of work.
0: No doubt.
1: It's it, you know it's 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 kind of easy to say, okay, I'm going to listen to what that person says. Yeah, okay, they're going to make me better. I, I I'll tell you one other quick anecdote. Uh, I've had some doctors tell me that what I have done, well, it's not proven, well, actually it is because I'm still here and doing great. But but even even if they were right about that, even if they were right, um, their their approach to pancreatic cancer seventy percent of people are dead within a year. So don't tell me what they're doing. Their their approach is proven to be not good. So I, I sort of think that you know, I, I didn't even feel like I was rolling the dice when I when I fired my oncologist. I'm like, oh, okay, that that approach I, that's not going to be a good path. I'm going to die here. So I might as well try something else. Um, mm.
0: That's so great and such a good way to to end this segment. I think you are giving so many people hope. And now, are you ready for Random Round?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Go ahead.
0: Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is?
1: Well, it's it's, um, repeating the same themes, taking charge of my body, taking charge of my health. It's the ultimate freedom, ultimate.
0: The last show you binged and loved?
1: Um, it has to do with the subject, kind of peripherally, uh, Dope Sick on Hulu. Dopesick is about um, uh, the opioid crisis, there are two shows, Dope Sick and Dropout also on Hulu, um, which is about Elizabeth Holmes. Um, both great shows, yeah.
0: Great. I heard about Dope Sick. I, I haven't heard about the other one yet, so I'll have to watch that. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do?
1: When you get a cancer diagnosis, you're going to feel afraid a lot. Um, And life in general can be fearful a lot. Um, We're living in crazy times right now. I I try to remember um, to breathe. I try to connect with people. Uh, And the third thing would be I try to get outside. Just go for a walk.
0: If you could have a one-hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why?
1: Oh, such a great question. It's so hard to limit it to one person. I mean, the the names that pop to mind are Bruce Springsteen, just because I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan, uh, and I think he's a good human. Um yes. I I not that I agree with everything Barack Obama did, but I, I think he's a good human and I I wouldn't necessarily even want to talk to him about what, what being president was like, I'd want to know what what were his struggles while he was president. I would want to know like, what hasn't he told the country about how, what that experience was like. But so I would say those two. Yeah.
0: Ooh, that would be great. He he should be on your podcast. Both of them together should
1: be on your podcast. That would be fantastic. Yeah.
0: What is your favorite go-to snack?
1: I'm not a big snack eater, but if I do eat something during the day in between meals, I'm, I'm very um, regimented. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting other people should do that, but um, I'll eat some nuts or a piece of fruit. Just something to, to tide me over.
0: What is one simple thing that brings you joy?
1: Can I, do I have to limit it to one? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know it's hard.
1: Uh, you know, my, my younger son is, my older son's off to college. My younger son is 17 and still living here at home. And, and he's bringing me a lot of joy right now. Oh, just
0: cherishing that time together.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure I'm bringing him a lot of joy, but he's, <laughs> he's bringing me a lot of joy.
0: What's on your nightstand?
1: Lots of unread books, which I'm a little embarrassed about. I mean, there's probably a stack of 10 or 15 books that I, I'll, I'll hear about a book and I'll go on Amazon and impulse shop and, and then it gets to me and then it sits there. So yeah, lots of books.
0: What is your favorite form of exercise?
1: I do a lot, whether it's yoga, um, meditation, not exercise, but um, yoga with meditation, TRX, Pilates, walking, hiking.
0: What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right
1: now? Clearly, I'm not good at answering one one thing because I'm giving <laughs> you... Uh, what's one thing I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for my health. I, I'm absolutely grateful for my health. Um Especially getting through COVID, um, it, you know. Again, we're living in odd times right now. But yeah, it's it's without question, it's my health.
0: And lastly, where can people find you? Uh,
1: I'll I'll repeat the email address: Chris Joseph, all one word, at mac m a c like the computer dot com. I'm on Facebook: Chris Joseph in Santa Monica or something like that. On Instagram, m Mister Chris Joseph. I think that's what Instagram. The Instagram handle is. Um, I have a website for the book lifeisridebook.com. If if they Google me, they can find me. Perfect. And I'm happy. I'm I'm happy to talk to people and help. I really feel like I want to continue to pay it forward.
0: Well, just by being on, you're helping so many people. So thank you so much, and it was such a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Likewise, thank you for what you're doing. I very much appreciate it.
0: That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.